there's too much porn that the women like all oh, in ecstasy, la la la, when the man does like certain thing. Yeah. And it's a big old fat steaming pile of bullshit. Welcome to Hello and Goodbye. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Leanna. I'm Jared. Welcome back. We have an amazing guest on the show today. We do. Dr. Nicole Williams, who is a board certified OBGYN and author of This Is How You Vagina. It's such, it's like such a great interview. So fun. You're going to love it. Go follow her now at Dr. Nicole Life on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we have some really interesting things we're going to talk about in the <laughs> intro. So we're going to get there, but just a couple housekeeping things. Um, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. Mm -hmm. Five stars only is what we will accept. <laughs> and um, I'm actually going to do a one-time only $5 per the next five reviews. You're just gonna Venmo people yep, five Yeah, for bucks? a cup of coffee. <laughs> a cup of coffee or a tea. You leave us a review, I'll send you $5. Screenshot the review <laughs> so mm -hmm. I know it's you. Mm -hmm. And then either email us, info at Podcast or DM hellongoybypodcast.com. Oh, wait, no wait, <laughs> the other way. DM at hellongoybypodcast. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's so cool. Every little bit helps us. Sure. So we really appreciate yeah. it. Um, and then since we're talking about vaginas today, mm -hmm. we obviously want to talk about our sponsor, VFresh. VFresh is a product that empowers women by helping them take back their vaginal health. They have products like pure-grade boric acid suppositories, um, supplements for urinary uh, tract health. They have gentle washes and wipes and lubes to help keep everything fresh and everything, um, I don't want to say clean because that's not really a great word for vagina, yeah, but, but like healthy. Yes, healthy and like all the all the products are sort of safe and it's a woman-owned company and it's a place that you can trust your vagina to. Yeah, and <laughs> I trust my vagina to it weekly. <laughs> and it's something that I personally have gone through is is struggling with vaginal health and, and just finding Natasha in this company um, has been such an amazing thing. So if you want 10% off your first order, you're going to head to vfresh.com. So V is V-E-E. -E, and the code is hello2022 at checkout. Yep. I would order in bulk. You're going to love the product. So again, hello2022 vfresh.com and um, you have all your all the products you need for your vaginal health. Beautiful. Yeah. We also have a Patreon. We do have a Patreon. So that's a way you can sort of support the show directly. We have our current tier is like $3 a month, which is just a cup of coffee and that's the best way to help us continue to produce this content and bring it to you and it's patreon.com slash hello and goodbye podcast. Yes. Okay. So those are all the ways you can support us. We yeah. appreciate your support. We appreciate you guys so yes, much. Yes, thanks so much for listening and being part of our community because we like doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so do we want to start with updates in your life or my life? Mine is not that. Well, yeah, tell us. You went, you went, okay, you've I been like first... teasing this date. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've been teased about this date. I had my first date in like six months, eight months. No, six months-ish. Um, for those who don't know, I took myself off the market for a time and uh, uh, got set up. I'm in the database of some matchmakers out here, so I'm not sort of a paying matchmaker client, but... Um, He's freeloading. 
I sure, why not? <laughs> why not? So I got reached out to by a matchmaker who's West Coast based about meeting a client of hers uh, that is, you know, like not too far from where we are. And I uh, had the date on Saturday. It was very interesting because the matchmaker like sets up the date. They just say, go here and whatever. And we didn't even get each other's contact numbers until like two hours before the date started. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's like, you know. Did you have a picture? Yes. Yeah, so okay. when I had Zoom called with the matchmaker, she had shown me the woman's like profile, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like told me about her and we chit-chatted. And, you know, like, and I guess she had shown mine to this client of sure. hers who said that she wanted to meet me, et cetera. So the date was at a sort of, it was like a brunch-ish date. It was like 11 a.m. on a Saturday, meet at a farmer's market. And we walked around the farmer's market and like got coffee. And then we ended up like going to a little cute place to eat a little brunch. Um, and, and so had a nice time. No, no romantic connection. Okay. It was really interesting though. Cause I was like, why is this so off? Cause like she was just a sweet, kind person. She was like lovely, well, you know, why. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm so toxic that I like am immediately turned off by this. That's so funny. But okay. This is what I think it is. I was thinking about this. I'm so far on one side of the spectrum of being like a sensing, feeling person and like emotions are what's important to me. And and I was just like the whole time I was on the stage, I'm like, God, why can we like not really get even like a really fun, like good kind of conversation going? And I think she's a person who is just kind of very like analytical mm. and like thinky. You know, mm. and so it was like, like when a topic would come up, the way I would address a topic and want to talk about it is like not the way she does. Mm. And then the way she does is not the way I, you know. And so it was just like an interesting reminder that like, you know, two people can be really nice and great and just like not a good match. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there, did you feel disappointment? I guess. Um yeah, I mean, you know, like, it would have been cool, but also, like, um, not not overly so. Like, mm. I, you know, because I'm just, like, I I don't know. Mm. You know, because I'm not, like, really attached to, like, wanting to find somebody right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know that's what I want in my life. Um, so, it was fine. Well, and she didn't have two babies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, that's the funny thing. I was weirdly, I don't know, because you went on a date that you, like we set up with a matchmaker client like mm -hmm. a while ago. Because something I'm like, tell me if this is stupid, but I was sort of conscious of, you know, like, it was like a little bit on my best behavior during the date of like, because she I, was paying money. Well, no, well, because I like, and I don't want the matchmaker to be oh. like, oh, I'm not setting anyone up with this jerk again. Oh yeah, like you know like how I told on that my date, like well, I, you know, I told on him, right? Wait, to the matchmaking agency. I don't think I talked super openly about this because I didn't want to at the time, but basically. This was when I what this is when I went on that date and that guy was like really rich and he was all over me in 15 minutes. Oh yeah. 
and very inappropriately and i kept trying to like, be kept, like, like trying to get you to like kiss him like in the restaurant like, like in the oh, first oh yeah like wouldn't minutes. give me space and i kept being like hey like let's just you know like let's take some time and like stay on your side of the table dude yeah we're at a pizza yeah. place like and yeah. you know and then we went back into my office and we're kind of like making out because i just i couldn't figure out what was happening what i was like i was attracted to him i was into him and i wanted to like him but I, could, I couldn't figure out how uncomfortable he was making me in the moment. And, you know, it was just like, do you want to fuck me? And, like, all this stuff, like, on the first date. And um, I realized the following day how uncomfortable I had been the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so I told on him. I texted the lady who mm -hmm. had, and I said, just so you know, like, this is how he acted 15 minutes into the date. Um, yeah. And blah, blah, blah. And then he... I had sent him a text that said he made me feel uncomfortable. He called me and apologized. And so then I texted her. I said, he called and apologized. Just forget it. Yeah. You know, and I never, you know, I never heard anything back. That's but so like, I mean, because the truth is, is like, just because you're paying thousands and thousands of dollars to go on dates doesn't mean you get to act however you want to act. Well, and I actually, I actually think that's one of the good things about a matchmaker being involved is like there's a little bit of a referee. So yes. if like someone has really shitty dating behavior, yeah. like there's an actual consequence, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or like theoretically could be. I mean, who yeah. knows what actually happens behind the scenes. But anyway, but I just didn't want to like be have any kind of bad dating yeah, of course. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have you heard back? Like, are they gonna do they have any more leads for you so, so when when she had suggested this meetup or whatever um she said like oh and like you know depending on how this goes like there's a couple other people that i think you might be oh boy a good match for or whatever okay. so i, don't I know, like this <laughs> i love how you're excited <laughs> so yeah that's what's happening in my well life. that's very exciting. oh i'm also officially a viewer of joe millionaire like I watched oh, the second really? episode, You're I'm way like, into it? I'm. I don't wouldn't say that I'm way into it, but like I, I, I'm like, oh, I guess I watched this show now. There's something about it that's fun, like about it being like a little more like of the like low rent bachelor. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't take itself as seriously, and mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I mean, it's like in some ways like not great, but it's just fun. We did start. Uh, I I didn't watch the first episode of The Bachelor, but we watched the second episode this week together. Yeah, and we came to the conclusion that Clayton is not smart. <laughs> I think that's true. And the thing that he kept doing that was driving me nuts is he would be on like in a one on one moment with a woman and want to kiss her and fe feel the need to like have some sort of punchline. Yes, or like like land so some corny. sort of smooth line before kissing them. And I'm like, dude, don't just. Going for the kiss, yeah. you know, because he's he, like, it, 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 I, I can't remember what they were, but one was like, like, I've waited long enough or, or like something like something dumb like it that. Was, yeah, Ugh. it's just, it's pretty painful to watch. Yeah, but but he's also genuine. Maybe he'll grow he? on us. I who knows? I don't know. I think it's anyway. Okay. I'm, I'm not a Clayton fan at all. But yeah. You know, it is what it is. Okay. What's happening? In your okay. Life? Well, so I do have a Bumble date after this. Ooh. After recording, we FaceTimed yesterday for um, like 30 minutes and went great. He, great. he, it wasn't like immediate, you know, spark chemistry, kind of like that familiar feeling. Yeah. I do have some like, there's part of me that's like, okay, there's a couple things he said. Like he might have a little bit of an avoidant attachment style, but he might just, you know, this was ex his experience in his last relationship. So I'm just kind of like letting it be what it is. Um, 
he is driving out to Riverside to meet me. So we're going to meet in the mm-hmm. middle and um, we're going to have a drink and go from there and see. I also had another video chat with a different guy on Bumble um, that went really well as well. He His u- situation is a little bit unique where he's not in California right now because of COVID. He's with his, you know, parents. You, you always end up talking to these dudes <laughs> who are like across the country somehow. Well, the thing is, is like how I would go about this differently is... I'm just not going to invest like I have in okay. the past. Like, Good plan. you know, we had a chat and we might chat later in the week, you yeah, know? Yeah. And if he decides that he doesn't want to do that, I'm fine. Like yeah. he was cool. Um, but I wasn't like, you know, over the moon attracted and like yeah. super interested, but I think he's a really cool guy and I'm totally open to continuing to talk to him. That's you cool. Know, in whatever way. Um, I have been, okay. So quick, Side note, I have been roasting Bumble profiles on Instagram. Yeah. If you don't follow us at Hello and Goodbye Podcast on Instagram, um, go to the stories. I, I just, it's, it comes to me very naturally. Like when I'm swiping through, I, I'll just be like, oh my God, like fuck, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? I should just put these on Instagram and tell my real thoughts or whatever. Yeah. So anyway... I put one up and I was a little spicier with it because this guy just, he seemed like an asshole and his whole profile was like so negative and so aggressive. And, um, I put like, does he have tiny penis syndrome or something like that? And yeah. it, it ruffled a few feathers. Cause they're like, you know, you would never be okay if like a, a man talked about a woman this way. And I'm like, mm. Oh, that's a little different, but sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, so then I was DMing with someone and then they were like, well, listen, I have a dating question. And I asked him if I could share this question on the pod because I wanted your your Ooh, great. reaction. Yeah. Because I have a personal uh, experience with this. So he said, if a woman is only has pictures of her face on her profile, is it appropriate to ask her for a full body picture? Like he's interested, he wants to meet her, but he wants to see what she looks like full body. And my response this is my feeling is 100 percent no oh interesting um i had a so like okay so let me tell my story really quick so i had a um i don't remember if i ever talked about this but i had a facetime call with a guy and i did end up meeting him tell me if you remember this but while we were facetiming he was like well listen before we meet like can you like stand away from the camera and show me your body? What? Okay, that I'm 100% no on for sure. <laughs> he was like, I like, just like step back and like do a twirl for me. Basically. That's crazy. He was like, I just want to make sure that you are look like how you look in your pictures. That's fucking terrible. And That's awful behavior. I know. And um and I I told him on the phone I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, no. I said, do you understand how rude and inappropriate that is demeaning it's really demeaning yeah so to me that is how it feels even in asking for a full body picture so so i told this guy i said should the woman and the man have a full body picture in their profile 100 yes yes if they don't is it appropriate for you to ask for one 100 no i think if that is really important to you then you're either one going to have to risk it. If you like them and you want to talk to them and they don't have a full body profile, you're going to have to risk it and suck it up. And maybe you're not attracted to them in person or don't match with them. Yeah. What are your thoughts? 
Oh, this is a hard one because I do, I mean, I think everyone has had the feeling, if not like completely, but being like sort of slightly catfished. Everyone where, does. Like, That's part of online dating. Yeah. But when you, when that's happened to you, you are like, okay, I'm now invested in this not happening again. Right. And like, and it's also about like, kind of like honesty and transparency and whatever. So I do fully understand both for like women and men, you know, like it's the same thing. Like women talk about like when a guy is wearing a hat in every single one of his mm-hmm. photos, right? Like he's probably bald. Yeah. And or if he doesn't smile, if there's no smiling with teeth, yeah, they don't have good teeth. They have bad teeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're so mean. No, but I mean, it's you know, like I mean, if like, you can't see the outline of their dick in their sweatpants, <laughs> they have a micropenis. But I, I, I think it's a fair. That was a joke. Yes, I think it's a fair <laughs> rule to think that if you don't see some aspect of the person you should assume it's not like one of their best features yes right yeah and so well not saying well hold on i want to backtrack on that though okay because someone maybe they don't think their body is their best feature that's true but someone else might so i think you know everybody's going to be attracted to a different body type Mm -hmm. what about my question back to you is what about like sort of subtle like subterfuge ways to try to get this information. So like, wh- like what about someone saying like, Hey, like what's your Instagram? Cause they're like trying to get Absolutely. like, get a better set. Like, let me see just more photos of yes. you and kind of like, which is also like not only how you and your body look, but like what your life is about, what kind of stuff you post about. Yeah. So Absolutely. like, that's okay. Yes. You could ask to FaceTime yeah. um, and see if you can tell a little bit more from that. Mm-hmm. You could ask for Instagram. You could ask them to send you um, like a picture of like a recent picture of them doing something fun. Like what was the most thing? What was the most recent thing that you did? Like, did you go on a hike? Do you have a picture from it? Like, I would just want to mm-hmm. see more pictures of you kind of a thing. Yeah. But it's never okay to be like, hey, I need to see a full body picture of you. Because it feels like. I think you might be deceiving me. Yes. And I need you to prove to me that you're not. Because I don't know if I'm attracted to you yet. And so I need you to send this picture to me. And I'm either going to move forward with you or not after you send the picture. I guess that's true. And like, I get it. Like, we've all been there. And I mean, someone sent me a a picture one time and I was like, oh, and I like unmatched them. Like, it was like very recent in the conversation. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like it just happens. And I just think be the better person. Don't ask for the picture. If if you think it's a deal breaker, just don't continue to talk to them. If you want to risk it and you might not be attracted, then like, you know, like I don't want to be ghosted anymore. But that would mean I would never go on any dates. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like we're true. all trying to avoid negative yeah. things and it's just, you're not going to be able yeah. to avoid it all the time. Another trick is if you, if you start like sell or if you start um, texting, but even I guess through the apps now, like you can just attach photos to your like messages. Right. If like you oh, yeah. start sending the person like little selfies throughout the day, like that will sort of trigger them to maybe do the same. Maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, I guess you're right. Like the full out, like, I need you to prove X to mm-hmm. me. Like, is it, you need to know that that's going to make the other person feel shitty. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So just okay. don't be purposeful about it. Try and be subtle or just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Or just do the FaceTime date yeah. or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't that kind of, I like that question a lot. It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And then it made me think of that. Story. Have you ever, so have you ever shown up for an in-person date and the guy was a much bigger guy than you thought he was going to be? Um, the, I definitely had a few dates where they're, they didn't look like how they looked in the picture. And it wasn't, mm. it wasn't like really bad, but it was just, it, for me, it's more so like about the way they walk and carry themselves and like how their head sits on top of their shoulders. Like it's weird. Like all of that mm. is like very important to me. And so like there was one guy I met up with. Yeah, he had, you know, his weight was significantly higher than what it, it was in his photos. But it wasn't that that was a turnoff. It was just like his personality. Like I just mm. didn't like his personality. Yeah. You know, um, and then the guy that I made cry um, oh. that... <laughs> That you have a tender heart for. Um, he just had a really weird and aggressive walk. And like, you know, his pictures were stunning. Like he was really handsome. And in person, he was like, it was just this very weird. Like a weird vibe. Really yeah. weird vibe. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, you just, the thing is, is like, you could get the full picture and still not be attracted That's to the person. True. That's true. Yeah. So. Hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about what we're going to talk about? Yes. Okay. So, okay. Can I set the scene? Yeah. Okay. So, I have a friend who listens to the show. And and I think it was like I was at work or whatever and she had texted in the morning like, Hey, I just listened to the show. And she sent this whole long text. And, you know, part of it was like, I'm a big fangirl for Leanna. And I feel like I've been there. And I, and I so relate to what she was saying and blah, 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 blah. And, and she sort of also said some stuff about like, here are some of the things that I've learned that I feel like I'm not at that place anymore. Particularly, like specifically of like, kind of like feeling trauma when the guy ghosts or pulls away or like whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what's interesting, what I didn't realize until after you and I had exchanged some texts about it is that like, in my mind, without thinking very much about it, I was like, oh, like this is someone who like, obviously like really likes you and the show and like, is sort of like pulling for you and, uh, you know, sharing like, some of her experience and like strength and you know, whatever. Uh, but what I ended up doing was like just foisting upon you <laughs> somebody's like unsolicited opinion. Right. And so like, so I don't think my friend did anything wrong. Absolutely. If not. anyone did anything wrong, it was me <laughs> by being like here, like look at what this person said. Um, but, but I'm really curious, like, because you started to share a little bit about how it feels to you. Mm -hmm. And I really want to hear more about that. Yeah. So, well, it's interesting because, you know, doing the podcast, like, obviously, our some of our listeners haven't been with us from the beginning. True. Um, and you guys don't really know us. I mean, you know parts of us. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm, I'm never sharing my stories and wanting advice. 
Yes. I, the people that I want advice from are my close friends and my professional therapist people, yeah. my yeah. psychiatrists and my new psychoanalyst or relational, relational psychoanalyst that I love. Oh, yeah. Like who blew my mind yes. in our session. Yes. She she terrifies me. That's great. I love it. Um and but I but I also understand that you guys love us like we yes. have come into your harm homes and your hearts and you want us to be happy and I think maybe what when I'm in a, a low when I'm in a place where I feel low and someone has ghosted me or my trauma comes up or whatever I I'm sad and I'm bummed and I think. I think it hurts your hearts too. Yes. And the response and your response as well <laughs> is to come in and try and rescue and and get feel make maybe this isn't you but like you want me to feel better. Yes. You want me to feel better. You don't want to be me to be sad anymore. And so here are the things that I I need to hear or I need to do or I need to work on so that I don't get sad anymore because you guys don't want to see me sad. And I think, and this is, again, this is just my interpretation of all of this. I'm not saying that this is true in any way. Um, but I think, you know, I get a lot of, you should read this book. Um, you should listen to this podcast. Mm. I mean, I get all, I, I just get stuff all the time. Yeah. And so it feels, it feels very flooding. Yeah. Um, because this is what I, I've chosen this. I've chosen to put my life out there <laughs> and people want to help me, which I so appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just want to, I think, I think what I want to say is, um, you know, I am already something that I struggle with and the shame that I feel about my story and my trauma and my pain <clears throat> is that, Something is wrong with me. Like, that's the deep shame that I feel. Mm -hmm. That something is wrong with me. That why would I have such a, a strong reaction to something so stupid? And so when I, or, you know, even why would I continue to reach out to the guy that ghosted me? When, you know, you say all the time, like, my desire is that you won't go to that place. And, you know, this person's, you know, thing was... Um, once you get to a place where that doesn't hurt you, you know, when they don't respond, like that's when you'll be ready for the right person. And all of those things just instead of lifting me up, they push me down. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, okay, so I'm only going to find someone when I don't have a trauma reaction or when I am whole or. I have to be a perfect person. I have to be able to laugh at something. Why Why can't I be sad about this? Like, why can't I have a, a vulnerable reaction and, and understand that it's shame and then live with that and sit in that when that's actually a healthier way than for me to pretend like, you know, oh, this person ghosted me. I can just laugh that off. Like, that's silly. You yeah, know, like, that's true. It's okay to be like, this is my story. And part of my story is, it really hurts me when something triggers th that really deep and it's okay that it hurts me and it's okay yeah. that that makes me sad and it's okay that I have found myself in the same pattern of chasing after the guy that has ghosted me because it's, it's, I know that it's not about him. It's 
about all the other shit that I've dealt with in my life and Mm -hmm. allowing myself just the grace and compassion and awareness to understand what that is, is huge. Yeah. You know, and and I'm not, I don't want to sugarcoat it. And I've been reading Brene Brown's book, um, The Gifts of Imperfections. Mm -hmm. And she was telling a story about how she got an email. um, Mm -hmm. And it was this woman that just made a comment about her her body uh, in a picture or how she should have taken a better picture or whatever. And... um, Brene Brown talks about her reaction. Like she drafted a really nasty email back and then she didn't send it. And then she did another one. She didn't send it. And then she's like, no, I'm not going to send anything. And then she went on a walk with her friend and she's like, I just, I shouldn't have had, you know, I just can't, I just hate that this affected me so much. And her friend was like, why just like, let it affect you. Why does that matter? Like what it did is it pulled out an insecurity in you and just to be like, I should just be able to brush this off is like, that's not true to who you are. Yeah. You know? And so mm. it's just something I've been thinking about. Like, I, you know, you, you do this to me. I do that quite to you a lot. lot. Yes. You and, and I know you do it out of love. And I, and I have other friends that do it too, where like, when I'm sad, they're like, well, I think you just get attached too quickly. Or, you know, like I just, you know, all this stuff. And the truth is, is like, I'm just doing the best I can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and there's nothing that's going to, there's nothing I can do different right now other than go to therapy. Yeah. Wake up and be the best person that I can be. Mm-hmm. Continue to be vulnerable with you guys. Continue to grow and learn about my own story and to live in that and to be vulnerable with that. And, um, and it hurts. It hurts me to to feel like I'm not that's not enough. Yeah. So I think that's that is something that I've really been kind of thinking about of like I it's okay that I get really sad about these things. Yeah. And and I don't need to change that. Like I I'm not I'm not going to get to a day where, you know, someone's going to ghost me on Bumble and I'm going to be like <laughs> And then I'm going to find my person. And I'm, I'm yeah. like, that's that. I'm, and I'm, of course, like, again, I'm, I'm just over exaggerating what I interpreted this sure, to be. Sure, of course. Um, because I know that there's nothing but good intention behind all of it. Yeah. But, but really what I've come to the conclusion, it's really toxic dating um, positivity. Mm. Yeah. I think I, I really appreciate you sharing that perspective because i don't think i i've been guilty of this in like so many ways like 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 we've said um i mean what is true is it, it's the hardest thing in the world to see someone you love in pain mm-hmm. and the urge to try to fix it is so automatic mm-hmm. but can do real harm and like and it's so interesting though because i know you've been on the other side of this too with a close friend of you, you know, with like close friends of yours who some shitty guy is behaving horribly and your friend is not like, oh, this is because this is a shitty guy. But your friend is like letting it affect her sense of self-worth or like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, no, <laughs> you're like, no, 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 stop. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not you. It's him. Like the, the, Put the responsibility where it belongs, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you just want, 
You know, and it's like, and it's interesting because I've thought for a long time, like from working with students and in recovery and, and knowing people in recovery in my own life. And like one of the rules of like 12 step meetings and stuff like this is like, there's no advice giving, mm. but what people can do is share their like strength, hope and experience, mm-hmm. right? Of like, hey, like I know what it's like to be in that place. And what I can tell you is like, I'm not in that place any longer. And like, you know, and, you know, and then there's like this, there's a little gray area. There's like a fine line between being like, well, here's how I got, here's what made it a positive change in my life and take that for whatever it's worth. You know, I'm not going to tell you this is what you should do or whatever, but even I think people sharing their strength, hope and experience, you can sort of read between the lines and like, it's like, oh, you're saying like, this is what you think I should do. Mm -hmm. And by extension, you're saying that, like, I it's not okay for me to be where I am right now. Right. But, but so, like, how do you... So, if you're on the other side of it, like, when, you know, in yeah. some of those examples with your friends who are, like, these terrible guys are making them feel terrible about themselves or they're blaming themselves or they're second-guessing, like, I should have done this, it's my fault, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you do with that? Well, I think, I think that, like, when you say things like, this wasn't your fault, Mm-hmm. Um, this is not on you. Like all of that is very reassuring because the mm-hmm. shame is that it is my fault. Yeah. But then the shame on top of the shame is that it's also my fault that I'm feeling like it's my fault. Yeah. Right? Yes. And so that's where the advice comes in. Like all you have to do is do this and then you'll meet your person. And it's like, well, but I have two blankets of shame right here. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I had one layer and you just gave me a second layer. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. So I think, you know, I think it's just, it's us practicing what actual empathy is. And empathy is listening and being there with the person and possibly sharing your own experiences. Um, but, you know, it's, only giving advice if people ask for it, you know, because I think, I mean, and the truth is, is like, I know that this is just the beginning of I'm going to get you and I are going to get all the advice in the world about all the things we're doing wrong. And, sure. you know, like, that's just part of it. And and yeah. I am very sensitive and I'm going to have to work on, on brushing things off, you know, but also I think it's okay to acknowledge when I can't brush it off. Yeah. And, um, and maybe it'll just get easier with time but I think the the biggest thing is like, I and I'm going to say this for myself, but I think for others who are listening too is like, you know, you can be imperfect and really anxious and really sad and really traumatized and still find the love of your life the next day. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, mm-hmm. I have friends who were in a really low place and they found a relationship and they're secure now. And I know friends who were really secure and they're divorced. And it's like, you know, like it doesn't matter. There's no like one way. There's no like you have to achieve X, Y, Z. And if you don't, then you won't find the person yes. or whatever. Right? Yeah. 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 But I think, you know, and and I'm sure I do it too. I mean, I'm sure I do it to my friends and to you because, again, it is our it is our instinct to protect the ones we love. Yes. You know, um, yeah. and I think that I've just realized that it's it's just become a little overwhelming. Yeah. I'm, I appreciate you sharing that with me. I apologize. <laughs> For, you know, this most recent example, 
And I actually want to apologize to the person whose text I sent. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I'm enough. like, have no ill feelings towards you. I think it's so sweet that you texted and I appreciate the support and I hope you still listen because we, you know, support you as well. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I, I really appreciate you giving me this perspective on this and like, I like it, it helps me know better so that I can do better. Thanks friend. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Welcome to our longest intro in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Williams, thank you again for coming on. I hope you guys enjoy her interview and we'll see you at the end. Okay, well, we are so excited to welcome Dr. Nicole Williams. She is a board certified OBGYN and author of This Is How You Vagina. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited to be with you guys. We are super excited to have you. I was uh, just sharing with you before we recorded or we started recording mm -hmm. that um, I love talking about vaginas on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and Jared, Jared is a good sport about it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pro vagina and, yeah. and pro open discussion and destigmatization of vagina things. Yeah. Right. I, I am so glad that you are because you would be in a very strange place otherwise. <laughs> I, uh, Dr. Williams, I have personally struggled with a lot of vaginal trauma, um, mm -hmm. including years of yeast and bacterial infections mm -hmm. and pelvic pain and all of that. And I'm finally like on the other side of it for the most part. But so it right. is something that I've talked very openly about um, and am an advocate for. So we're so excited to have you. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about you so we can get to know you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so again, I'm Dr. Nicole Williams. I'm from the great state of Illinois, and I'm in practice in Chicago, I'm board certified OBGYN. Um, during the pandemic, it was me, my laptop. Um, I have some research that I could tap into from the universities where I'm on, on staff at. And so it was me, my laptop, several bottles of Merlot, Chianti, Cabernet, etc. <laughs> And um, plenty of time on my hands and uh, the opportunity to be able to reach into some of these academic places. I did a bunch of research about the vagina because I wanted to write basically a love letter to my patients because we have so many misconceptions about the vagina. Even now, this is 2022. And one of the reasons why I never made it to GMA or like regular NPR is because I was told that vaginas are morning conversations. Vaginas are things that you should talk about. And I go, well, what is, I mean, who's watching these shows? Who's listening to these shows? Most of the time it's people with vaginas. Mm -hmm. So it, the, it, the catch 22 was not lost upon me, but that's why I think that it's actually even more important to have almost like a bit of a grassroots effort and podcasters like yourself who are willing to have somebody like me on to discuss this kind of stuff yourself and let other vagina owners know that they're not alone. They have a lot of questions. You have a lot of questions. And there are people like myself who have some answers. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That. Yeah. yeah. So how did you like, you know, like when someone enters medical school, you have all these different paths of medicine you could go down. So like, how did this become something that's sort of so personally meaningful to you? Ah, how did that become a thing? Um, my mom told me something. I still don't believe her. She said that when I was um, really, really young, I said something like, women should have their own doctors. 
because my pediatrician, <laughs> you know, my older, when I was older, my pediatrician was male and, and I don't know, she, this is what she tells me. I'm like, sure. It sounds like a really great story, but perhaps that was always kind of in the back of my mind that for such an intimate aspect of one's life and one's health, then perhaps it would be best if there were somebody with similar parts, not that male, my, my business partner is male. He's an incredible physician, incredible surgeon. But for while I was going through medical school, that was really my, my thinking because, you know, I could go into internal medicine and, and see a bunch of 55 year old men with like heart attacks and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, are they really going to listen to anything that I have to say? Mm-hmm. Are they really going to take my advice to heart? And I didn't think so. But when I went and did the rotation OB, the women there, all vagina owners, were, they did research. They came with ideas. They're like, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. And I realized those are the patients who are engaged about things. They're engaged about their health. They want to know about what's going on down there. And I'm like, oh, this is my spot. And I've been doing it ever since. I love that. Can, Can you share, I'm curious, like, can you give us a little bit more, and I don't know if what your next question was going to be, but what, can you give us more summary of like more of what the love letter is about to your patients? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was thinking about writing, this is how you vagina, I meant it to be a pamphlet. I meant it to be <laughs> like three pages that I was just going to hand out to everybody. And I wanted to say three things. So water and sunshine. Those were the things I wanted it to say, like use soap, plain soap, don't have to buy anything special, you know, no pink tax, water, drink water, use water, sunshine, no binding clothing. And I was going to write paragraphs about each thing. But the more I kept researching, I realized that my patients have a lot more questions, even though I can break it down into something relatively simple. I think my patients have more questions because they had questions about, so some of the chapters, there's the book right there just so you know. Um, I have a chapter about like the main questions that people have. So one chapter is my vagina is itchy and it burns. I have a uh, chapter about bloody vaginas. I have a chapter about rejuvenated vaginas because people have questions about that. I have a chapter about orgasm in vaginas because people always have a question about that. (laughs) (laughs) I have a chapter about my vagina smells and there's something coming out. So each chapter... Look, that is, these are questions my patients ask me all the time. Yeah. And I wanted to just put it out there. I know it, it's, it's certainly not, you know, sunshiny or anything like that. But I just say, this is what, what people ask me. And this is how we're going to break it down. I use science. I use history and I use humor. I love it. Yeah, you are. I love your, I love your spunkiness. Like I can see, <laughs> I can see that coming out in your personality. I can see how that would make the book so much more enjoyable, you know, because I mean, personally for me, I have a hard time sitting down and reading a book period and then reading a book on a vagina. So right. like, if it's got a little bit of like, you know, a twist to it that makes it more fascinating, I can see that I personally would like really enjoy reading this. I can't wait to. Um, yeah, please do. And I'd love to know what you think. Yeah. So can you, as a vagina owner, um, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are. So when I went through my kind of three or four year period of chronic wow. infection and pelvic pain, um, 
I didn't find my doctors to be super helpful. I didn't feel like I, someone really understood what I was going through. I felt like it kind of, they made it seem like I was the only patient of theirs that had this chronic um, infection. Mm -hmm. I felt they, you know, it was like, try, you know, stay on Diflucon for six months and, <laughs> you know, and take the flagell for six take weeks. Flagell and, forever. Right. That's yeah, exactly. Work. And, and then I would stop the medication and everything would go back to how it was. And I would have digestive issues. And, um, <laughs> I tried the Bork acid suppositories and those helped, but then they didn't. And then now, and then it was like, well, try sticking a probiotic up your vagina and, you know, like don't use any soap, just use water and don't do this. And when you have sex, do this and blah, 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 blah. And I still had the issues and really what, how I was able to kind of come to like, I think part of it is hormonal and you can tell me if I'm wrong. This is kind of, I've just come to my own conclusions about this, but I think part of it was a hormonal switch. I think part mm -hmm. of it was a, a trauma response to a a sexual assault that I experienced, um, that I have talked about on the podcast. So that's not a surprise to our listeners. Okay. Um, and I think part of it was finding the right solution that worked for my body, for my mm -hmm. vagina, which was inserting a boric acid suppository for yeah. a certain number of days, and then inserting a probiotic and taking a probiotic orally. Yes. And that helped everything just kind of come back to natural. And so now I figured out a way to kind of like maintain that. Um, and cool. it's helped a lot, but what is it like? Why, why does it seem so, why do a lot of doctors not understand? Because I'm a part of a group of women on Facebook and there's thousands of us that all have dealt with this and nobody knows what to tell them. Yeah. So why is that? Why is it that way? Okay, so I'm going to tell you the truth. The reason is because it doesn't make doctors a bunch of money. They mm. make doctors a bunch of money, like giant piles of wheelbarrows of money. Even nowadays, I mean, it's not as great as what it was back in the 90s, you know, when I was, you know, trying to get into medical school, but it's still pretty doggone good. And treating people with vaginitis and chronic vaginosis, it just doesn't, I hate to say it, doesn't, it's not going to bear fruit. Mm. Then that's one thing. I mean, that's the business aspect. Then from the clinical aspect, there's not a lot of study about it mm. because it's a woman problem. And if we can, so we know we have these antifungals, we know we have these antibacterials. So we just give those to you because that's all the study that we have. We do have, and I actually talk about boric acid in This Is How You Vagina. <laughs> You know, I do talk about the fact that unfortunately it does look like a regular pill. So you have to be really careful about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks like a regular pill and it's yeah. like a bottom. Like, do not yeah. make it like that. It should look more suppository like. So just yeah. be careful mm -hmm. because some kid could take it and it's really dangerous, but it does work. Mm -hmm. um, I also talk about probiotics, but we just don't have a lot of study. Mm -hmm. So if it was a problem of a person with a penis, we probably would have a lot more research about it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. And we would have a lot more answers yeah. for patients. So actually, like you, like what you discovered with the boric acid, I had, I well, when I feel like I'm getting a yeast infection because I had no business wearing these tight-ass pants that I had on because I gained a little weight and my pants were too tight, but I really like the pants I'm going to wear anyway. <laughs> you know you've done that. We've kind of done that. Because they cute and it's hard to find a really good pair of black pants. Mm -hmm. yeah. So 
you wore them and it's like, damn, I got a yeast infection. I knew I was going to have it by the end of the day. I knew it. I would use a um, tea tree oil and a boric acid together. Mm. And that was my thing. But it took me just like you as a physician. And I have, a, I have knowledge about these things, but it took a little bit of trial and error. And when you're talking to your friends on the group, just let them know there is going to be some trial and error in this because we just don't have data that says, here's this one cookie cutter thing. And here's another interesting bit. Your bacterial milieu might change over time. And with different things that occur in the vagina, like your assault, that could have changed your bacterial milieu. Mm-hmm. Or if you're just changing partners just regular, that's going to change your bacterial milieu. Generally, it's fine. Your body will find a new way, a new normal to kind of regulate those bacteria in there. So you won't have as many symptoms, but sometimes you don't. And then you have to do a little bit of trial and error. But we do have a few things, the things that we talked about, the things that I was just talking about, that we do know anecdotally that work. And until somebody in the National Institutes of Health is going to actually give any money toward this, that's all we're going to get. Wow. Hmm. Wow, that's so crazy. I, I know you have questions. I want to ask you a couple more though. <laughs> this is the part where Leanna just is like, uh, let me just a- ask all of my questions about my vagina. But it's great. Keep going. Well, so another thing that I didn't discover until I joined this Facebook group uh-huh. was the possibility of pelvic physical therapy. It had never been mentioned to me by my doctors and i was having um like interstitial cystitis interstitial cystitis yes yes thank you um Mm -hmm. because of all the infections that my bladder and i had this really bad bladder infection that set it all off i still get bladder spasms to this day and i was in so much pain and physical therapy has helped so much for that and that was also never mentioned to me Um, that's a lack of training. So when you go to do training in OBGYN, like we talked about, baby money is really, really good money. And there's a lot of risk with babies Mm. too. So when you're training, you spend an inordinate amount of time learning how to manage labor and delivery, pre, you know, prenatal care, postpartum care. That's a massive part of your training. And then you go to clinic. You go to clinic like, once a week. And for most of those clinics, it's pregnant women. And then you might have one or two patients with a GYN complaint. So we just don't learn about it during our training because it doesn't really present. Because Mm -hmm. most of the time when you're in residency training, you're going to be at a public health facility. And for those most of the time, those ladies are just pregnant. And that's where you go. So you don't really get to learn about a lot about these things. And especially, like we said, if you're not trained about it, you're not, it's, there's no impetus for you to go and learn about it. I went and trained under a urogynecologist for a year because I was interested in, I became more interested in learning about the pelvic floor as I got into OB and I realized, hey, there's this whole other set of women who are having all these issues and nobody's paying them any attention. I didn't know what to do with them either. So Mm -hmm. I had to go and get more training. And that's where I learned about pelvic floor PT. Now, even if you can't afford a PT, I hope somebody told you about the TheraWand. Uh, Yes, I do know about that. I haven't purchased one yet, but I do know about it. I'm going to get it. 
go get one. Because if you can't get to the PT, it's a way to help to kind of massage those muscles down because you mm-hmm. can't do it to your own self because no. your hand did not go that way. Yeah. And you don't want to have a partner do it because they're just not trained. Yeah. So get the TheraWand, work with it. I have no stock in the company or just, you know, I have nothing to do with the company. <laughs> but I just found it to be the easiest way because I have a lot of busy people in the practice. They can't go to PT every week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, PT yeah. is amazing. And guess what? PT is also useful after you've had a baby. Yeah. Bring everything, you know, back. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Williams, you mentioned history as being something that really informs the book. Like, yeah. are there like fun or fascinating or like mind blowing things from, from the history of vaginas that, that people should know? I have a whole chapter about it. Of course, this would be your question. So in the second chapter of Vaginas, A Brief History, one of my, I have a couple different ones, but this one is from the ancient Egyptians. And back then, they would think that anything that was wrong with a woman, whether she had a headache or whether she had something on her knee or her big toe, they thought it was the uterus and that the uterus would travel all around the body and wreak havoc. Like the uterus is like an animal. It was literally <laughs> like a terrible little creature that went places. So let's see. In, in, in the, um, there was a, a medical papyrus that I found and it said, how do you treat these things? Oh, so you treat this as if she has like um, a headache and she has like blurry vision. So this is what you do. You should say of it, it is discharges of the womb, the uterus, in her eyes. You should treat it by fumigating her with incense and oil, fumigating her room with it, and fumigating her eyes with goose leg fat. You should also have her eat a fresh ass liver. Oh, my gosh. Yum. Delicious. They didn't even saute it. Like It was just like, boom, right there. So they gave her vaginal steaming and having her eat an ass liver. So this is actually the first uh, that I know so far, I haven't gone, you know, I didn't see anything earlier, of uh, vaginal steaming. This is the first incident. Wow. That was also the vaginal beginning steaming. of fragile male yeah. masculine, or uh, <laughs> t- what is it? Ego? Fragile sure. ego? Yeah, well, I mean, because I, I think that's that's such a funny and interesting example of like exactly what is still happening today. Right. And so like, and I mean, and there's real consequences to what you're talking about, right? Like the, um, like infant mortality rates and the rates of like people's like significant pain being ignored by physicians, like goes way Mm -hmm. up if it's a woman experiencing the pain and it goes even higher if it's a woman of color experiencing the pain or the symptoms or whatever. Um, I actually wrote about that too, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in chapter 15, um, it's called vaginalism, vaginas and race and culture. I mean, mm. I can't, as a black woman, I can't ignore the fact that why did I have a slightly more difficult time? I had no problem with the exams I had to take. You had to sit down, take a test. It's a test. Everybody, you know, take a test. But once I got into my rotations, why did I have such a, a little bit more of a difficult time? Then all the rest of my counterparts just kind of seem to just sail on through things. Mm. And why is it that our pain has been ignored? Did you know that the African-American community at the very beginning of the opioid epidemic was largely spared of that because people just didn't give us opioids because they thought mm. we were going to go sell them on the street. 
So we just didn't get them. And that's why we were, it was, we was never part of, and now it is now that it's, you know, kind of been pervasive, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, it's, it's a massive issue. And even just gender alone, I have to read this little quote here because that just bothered the hell out of me. So in bloody vaginas, and this is, I have a quote at the beginning of every chapter. Some people are famous. Some people are not, but this person was kind of famous. And this person said, you could see blood coming out of her eyes and blood coming out of her wherever. Remember that person who said that? Do you know who said that? Can you give me a hint? It's someone that we really don't like. Joe Rogan. Oh, good good guess. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wasn't that, wasn't that about Megyn Kelly? Yes, it was about Megyn Kelly. Yep. And because Megyn Kelly was, and I don't say the name, just so you know, I actually don't actually ever say the name like Voldemort. Do not say the name. But... <laughs> This person was castigating her because she was being a journalist and asking challenging questions like journalists are supposed to do. But then he period shamed her. Yeah. We period shaming. Yes. Period shaming is still a thing. Just so you know, Dr. Williams, we mm-hmm. hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so very much. Well, but, you know, yeah. Can you imagine if we were reasons, conservatives? Yeah. We're like, oh, uh, welcome to our show. Wouldn't yeah. that be funny? As soon as you said that you were talking all about your vagina, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm in a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, okay, go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to say, let's like veer into like sex, because I think that'll be really fun for our listeners to hear of like um what you were going to go in the opposite direction huh no no go okay well i mean this is something we talk about too i mean sex is it's just not as black and white for women and um women are more likely to fake orgasms um they're you know we're not all the same you know you know what's crazy dr williams i i just really i am 35 years old I mm-hmm. still have a hard time inserting tampons because my cervix goes mm-hmm. up to the left. And oh, if yeah. I don't get it in the right way, it just doesn't leave. stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to leave? Yeah. And no one ever told me that that that's like always in the middle. Yeah. So then I think that's why I don't really care for a larger penis because then it's kind of hitting the back of me. Oh, interesting. Versus you just gotta arch your back. Oh, okay. You have to change. <laughs> just gotta angle. get it in the right yeah, in the it's right. All, it's spot. all about angles, right? It's all about angles. Everything is angles. So, because my uterus is up and to the right, and I know this because when I used to use tampons, I use a menstrual cup now, and now I have an IUD, so I don't bleed anymore. Yay! But <laughs> the tampon would always be like half. Yeah. On just that one side. Yeah. yeah. But I never see, I never had any problems with insertion or big or little or anything like that, you know, cause I'm a, I'm a big girl. Um, I'm a little girl, but I'm a, well, a big girl, little, big things. Yeah. Because <laughs> the larger the penis, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to hit Dr. Graffenberg's spot. Or unless you have a lover who is incredibly creative and, and understands that all the fun or female is going to be up here. Yeah, Not that's a, that's the G spot, right? So 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 the G spot is named after Dr. Graffenberg. Dr. Graffenberg, who yes. was a German urologist from the 1950s. He didn't name it after himself. It was a working group 
from uh, a research group in the 1970s. And I talk, I, I explain all that in the book about how, you know, the G-spot got to be named and, and why it is still controversial today, even though it shouldn't be, because now we actually have MRI evidence that indicates this area has a confluence of there's more um, nerve endings, there's more blood going to that area. So there, there is something. Hmm. They just won't call it that like the researchers like refuse to call it that they call it um um i forgot it was like an active zone or something sounding very academic and i'm like look it's a g-spot it's a g-spot i know what a g-spot feels like many of my other friends know what a g-spot feels like it exists okay can you can you explain where though because i feel like i feel like people are always like oh the g-spot is where you do the come hither movement but your finger can't go that high up there so it's like is the g it's not that far in. So then why would it take a larger penis then to hit it? Um, because what's going to happen when you're having sex is this stretches too. Mm. This bottom part is going to stretch out a little more, especially as you're way more lubricated. So it's nicer to have something that's going to occupy the space. Mm. It's a space occupying kind of thing. Mm. Now I can make anything work. <laughs> you you do you deal with what you deal with you you just kind of like i know that that's something that i could that's a slightly easier for me to find my happy place than something that is as not as like i said you you can make it work any you know if, if your lover is not you know massive or anything like that you can make it work you just got to know which angle to angle your own pelvis mm. I write about in the chapter orgasming vaginas, there's a misconception about, we think that men have to give women orgasms. Mm. And, you know, I say, well, you know, don't just lay back and just wait on something to, to somebody to bring you this amazing feeling. Explore your own body. Yes, with masturbation, with toys, finger, dildo, whatever. So then you know what feels good to you. And then when you're with a lover, then you know what to do with your body to get yourself into that place as opposed to just, you know, because there's too much porn that the women like all oh, in ecstasy, la la la, when the man does like certain thing. Yeah. And it's a big old fat steaming pile of bullshit because that's rarely is what happens. And the orgasm gap that you talked about is real. And I think it's because of lack of education. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so, so <clears throat> I'm also pretty open. Like I, I have own, well, I can own, okay. Let me rephrase this. Cause I don't want to like instill this in my body, but like mm-hmm. so far in my life, I've only been able to orgasm using a vibrator during sex. So mm-hmm. a vibrator on my clitoral but- hood, mm-hmm. right. Um, on my own, I can make myself orgasm with my fingers but mm-hmm. it's, it's not common. I have to be like really turned on and I have to be like really focused yes. someday. I would like to be able to have a partner where I feel comfortable enough to explore being able to do that during sex. And mm-hmm. maybe someday I can then teach a partner who could really like wants to learn how they can do what I like, you know, there you go. And so, that is, that's, that's the, the, the crux of the matter is feeling comfortable enough with your partner that you can explain to that partner what you want them to do. And yeah. then again, there's always a little bit of that 
is, am I, you know, should, should I, or should I not, should I, should I tell him what I want him to do? Would he, what is, what is he going to think of me? And that just takes time and trust building in order to get to that place. And I'm sure you will. Mm-hmm. Why, why do men like, <laughs> I love how the question starts with why do men? Okay, let's go. <laughs> why are, why is there masculinity so attached to, and obviously hashtag not all men, but like, why is there masculinity so attached to having to be the, you know, one to make the woman come? Oh, I think that goes back to Darwin. Um, because if, and this is just my theory, okay? I'm, you know, female, um, you know, cisgender female. So, but I think that if, a man, a person with a penis can make a person with a vagina come really, really hard, then that per- that woman is more likely to copulate more with that man, thus resulting in reproduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's true. Actually, Dr. Williams, I was going to say, you know, I mean, this is like all of the typical like macho bullshit, right? Like, this uh-huh. is how patriarchy, like hurts men also right like not nearly as much as it hurts women obviously but you know like this idea that every man who sort of buys into this way of thinking is like constantly having to prove themselves as a man and like constantly terrified of and hostile towards any threat to their masculinity and one of the ways you do that is you know like there's all this stuff about like male sort of like potency and virility and like how big is your dick and how hard does it get and like you know, and like also how much can you sort of like, um, like how much can you get women? How much can you please women? Mm-hmm. But I think what you're saying, Dr. Williams. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What did you say? I love your train of thought. Well, and, but I, but I think the other piece of it is what you're saying, Dr. Williams, which is that, you know, when we see like incel culture and red pill culture and all this stuff, so much of that is coming from really deep insecurity, deep woundedness and deep fear. Yes. And so I think it's actually like, there's a big insecurity thing of like, if I can make this person come like real hard, you yeah. know, like, or then like regularly, uh, then like, I can feel a little bit safer here mm. that I'm not going to get like left or what, right. Which right, by which the way, and the fear of that. With another guy who might be richer or cuter or yes. or whatever, if I can really make her come like really, really hard, then she's going to keep going back for that. I like that. Bravo. <laughs> well, it, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, I, I like though that we're doing sort of like the pamphlet version of like, this is like the pamphlet on sex. So what I've heard so far is like, like masturbate and learn about yourself and experiment so that you know what feels good to you, like what different sensations and different angles and external clitoral stuff and G-spot stuff and other internal stuff. Mm -hmm. Then uh, talk to your partner about it, but also like while you're having sex, like do some experimenting then, like the angles of your pelvis and things like that. Um, so like, is there anything we would add to the like pamphlet, the like sex pamphlet for vagina owners? Um, let's see. Oh, I think a lot of people have a question about lubrication. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, hydrate. Um, a lot of people, you can't have sex if you're like stark raving drunk because you're dehydrated. 
And that's why sex is no good when you're crazy drunk, because if you're dehydrated and your brain just is completely muted and that's what happens because there's no orgasm center in the brain. They actually tried to look at this. There's so many parts that light up that there's no like bit in your brain. Like if I put a needle in it and I touched your brain and I took, I did this, then you, you can't have orgasms anymore. That's not the case. It's the whole thing. So if mm-hmm. you're drunk and you're dehydrated, if you're just dehydrated period or you're muted, then you can't respond. So hydrate as well as possible. And don't forget a good lube. If you're trying to have sex for a while, I mean, I could be as hydrated as possible and you still want to keep going, but you're kind of like, okay, where's the lube? Mm-hmm. So keep a good lube. And especially for people with vaginas, think that it's some kind of like failure on their part. If they don't come and they're just like deuces are everywhere and flowing, that may not always be the case. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's hormones. It's sometimes I don't like doing anything in the morning. I'm just like, I just rather sleep. Same. <laughs> just don't wake me up like that. Please do not wake me up like that. Cause I do not like to be woken up like that. I just like to just, you know, hope I'm just awake. I don't want to be woken up by something like poking me. It's cause I'm just not going to be in that place. And so if you're trying to like, and you be with your, my lover and you know, okay, fine. Where's the lube? So that would be the only other thing I would add to the sex pamphlet is don't be afraid of lube. Don't be ashamed of lube. Yeah. Well, and I think also like for men too, right? I think like men, again, can get into their egos and be like, oh, if, if, you know, my partner needs lube, like somehow I'm not turning her on enough or what, you know, like all of that. Mm-hmm. There's so much, there's so much bullshit shame. Yeah that is just used to like, and like a lot of it is just used to sell us products. Like, do you know that they sell, I, I sometimes see these ads, they sell pills for guys to like make your load bigger. What? Yeah, there's like, this is a thing. I don't have both of you are surprised about this. This is a real thing, right? Sure of like, thing. I'm really and sure. again, it's like, it's like using all this like masculinity bullshit stuff of like, yeah, if you're like a real man, like you have like this like huge. Do you know what's so do you know what's so funny about that though? Yeah. Is my initial response to you saying that is like, oh, like I like don't tell don't get me wrong. Like I want to know when you're gonna come, where you're gonna come, how hard you're gonna come, but it's all just yeah. talk. The actual come grosses me out. And <laughs> that when someone's gonna about to come in my mouth, all I'm thinking is, please do not let this be a massive come. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you put your hand way down at the base, sometimes there's a little bit of a flicker before they come. Oh, interesting. And what will it do? It, it, there's a little spasm. This has nothing to do with you can. Hand. It's like a warning sign. You can oh. tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. If you I have usually a hand do down at the bottom. You might. You, now, this is this has happened to me, and maybe like about sixty or seventy percent of my lovers. But there's a little spasm at the bottom that you can feel. It's like flick, flick. And then you go, oh, not time to go. And then I, I, I move strategically. You have time to dodge out of the way. <laughs> I, got, I, got to, I get out the way. Yeah, I, I get See, out See, I don't, I don't mind coming well, in my mouth, but I, I will immediately spit it out. I do not swallow. Oh, okay, yeah. So there's no, no expectation to swallow. I'm like, hey, listen, I did yeah. my part. I'm going to go spit this out and then we'll come back and make out. <laughs> so you, do you like announce it very matter of factly? Like no, that? So, no, what I, no, what I do is like at the end, so they come in my mouth and then they're just like, Ooh, and I like, <laughs> I just like stand up while they're in euphoria and I go spit it out and come back. Yeah. So 
Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but hey, we got sort of like down a rabbit hole on come and loads. <laughs> But anyway, but like, but like, this is the thing, right? Like, everybody is made to. Oh, sorry. Sorry. What'd you say, Doctor? We started with the products, and yeah, I always like to bring this up when I talk to uh, on podcasts because I believe that the entire United States of America was founded upon these puritanical values, and these puritanical Mm -hmm. values of these prescribed gender roles have been ingrained in even the most liberal thinkers Mm -hmm. who are born and raised in this country. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. The other thing is, like Jared was saying, we play on, they play on fear Mm -hmm. of all sorts of things to make you buy stuff to make you feel better. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, you don't need summer's Eve. You don't need, um, what is the, the, uh, some, you know, some other thing to make your vagina smell like, um, you know, roses or Chanel, Mm -hmm. but they play on these fears that make us think that, this area is toxic. And for Jared's folks, they plan fears, making you think that you're not man enough. Mm-hmm. And once we educate ourselves about, hey, I think you're just trying to sell me some bullshit, then we're going to tell our friends and they're going to tell their friends. And then hopefully we will be a much more enlightened society mm-hmm. and not just sexually enlightened, but just enlightened in general. Mm-hmm. I what, love that. Yeah, what I love about that is, you know, your three things of like soap, water, sunlight, right? And like when you mm-hmm. talked about sunlight, you know, it's about like really overly restrictive clothing. But also, I think like what we're talking about is another version of of sunlight, of sunlight. right? Of like Knowledge. talking about these things, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I, love I love that. that. Oh, yeah. yay! Well, for the revised editions. <laughs> Well, we know you have a game you have to go watch. What game are you watching? Are you a football fan? Um, I was just going to watch whatever. I'm a football fan, just a general football fan. I don't have any like, oh, my God, I have to watch team. I have to watch Cowboys. I have to watch the Bucks. I have to watch the Chiefs. I have to watch. I, there was a football game. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go watch that. I grew, <laughs> up with it. I grew up with it. I know it seems really, really weird because I'm like a nerd. But I grew up watching football because where I'm from, it was like Texas. They were really Saturday, Friday night lights kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it was part yeah. of our community. It was a really, really big deal. So you that better you had to learn to understand the game. And when you understand the game, it actually becomes fun to watch. Hey, that's kind of metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. oh, that was really good. <laughs> learn to understand it. And you want to watch. Oh, that was a great one. Oh, this is <laughs> Yeah, it's been really fun. Well, Dr. Williams, it, yeah, this has been an absolute blast. Please tell our listeners where they can find you and purchase your book and support you. So you can find the book at Pretty Simple. It's on Amazon, but easy enough, this is how you vagina.com. Love it. Okay. Well, we appreciate you so much. We hope you enjoy your Sunday afternoon. And um, yeah, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thanks again. You guys have a great afternoon. You too. You too. All right. Well, thank you again to Dr. Williams for coming on. We so appreciate you. Absolutely. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Leanna Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. We've got a YouTube channel. Hello and goodbye podcast, a Facebook. Hello and goodbye podcast, Twitter. Hello underscore by underscore pod website. Yep. And, um, and we've got the bumble roasting happening on, uh, Instagram. And what else we got? Going on. I don't know. Uh, you know, 
a lot of stuff. <laughs> Listen to the show. <laughs> tell a friend. Rate and review. Rate and review. We love you. Yeah, we love you. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.